0: And welcome to the Courageous Mama 2021. Do you know, I found myself thinking this year, what would be the most helpful tip to start the year off with for parents who prioritise connection? Because the heart of this podcast is about connection. So I looked back at 2020 and I went through the questions on the blog and the questions by email and the questions that came up in my session times with parents to see what came up most frequently. And there is one tip that really stands out as making the most impactful change in this climate of parenting. Whether someone was making contact with me over their child's attitude, language, self-esteem, whether it was trauma, discord, spectrum issues, eating disorders, or difficulties with schoolwork and talking back rudely, whether it was issues with friendships or teachers, lying, cheating, being on screen too much, arguing, anxiety, addiction, there was one outstanding topic that came up as being useful. One that was so often mentioned in the lovely feedback and responses that people are kind enough to share after we've spent time on a particular issue at hand. And that was learning to listen well. Now, you may be disappointed to hear that. You may have thought I was going to come up with something else. And on the face of it, it might not sound earth shattering, but evidence suggests it is. Feedback suggests it is. In fact, if you want a magic wand waved over a particular issue in your family, I'll bet that a few small tweaks to the way you communicate when your child wants to be heard and understood will deliver. Even if you think you're a fabulous listener, very small developments to people's ability to hear their children have had monumental impacts in many homes, and even when parents have been skeptical that it would bring about change. You see, the thing is, so often when we're chatting about a child being disrespectful, sibling rivalry, or any of the symptoms above that I mentioned a minute ago, what people are quite often wanting is a way to change the child. They'll come to me saying, what can I do about this? And what they're really saying is, how can they change? But the real effect happens when we change ourselves. It doesn't mean the child hasn't been difficult or wasn't making a poor choice and that they weren't genuinely causing that parent grief. But it comes back to that old expression. If you want to change the world, start with yourself. If you want to change your community, start with yourself. If you want to change your family or something in your family, start with yourself. If you're listening to this and enjoying this podcast, it's probably because you want to grow and you know you're going to find something gritty in it, something challenging, something that's going to push your family forward to that space that you're longing to get to. As a parent, you know that there are some tools that could reduce the arguing, help your child to be more communicative and improve the quality of relationships in the home. So I'm starting with something that in some ways is very simple on paper, but in the moment will stretch and grow you as a parent and will absolutely deliver as a communicative and relational tool. I remember when I first made a promise to a parent client that it would do that and I bit my fingernails till she came back with the verdict and it did. It never fails to if it's genuinely carried out. Listening is an art. Some people have it and other people have to learn it but even those who seem like they're born with it have a long way to go. It's a contact sport. We develop it through using it as we have contact with others, whether that's over the phone, over Zoom, and in particular with our families. How would you rate your listening skills on a scale of 1 to 10? I know that when I host a parenting course, it's often the part that parents are most struck by because developing your listening skills is so life-changing. A small tweak can completely reset the trajectory of a relationship. And just to demonstrate that, I'm going to read you one of the WhatsApps I received on the topic from a couple I met with three times last year. And that's often all it takes to improve family life. In fact, sometimes one session does the trick. This couple had come because they'd reached the point of relational breakdown with their teenage daughter and they were so upset. They just couldn't work out how to reach her. They would tried everything. And they're a lovely couple. They're kind, they're caring, and they're easy to talk to. So I'm not talking about people who find it difficult to communicate, difficult to listen. And I always think it takes a certain amount of humility to ask for help with parenting. Parenting can feel like something that should be innate. It's such a personal area. So I'm always encouraged when people feel able to ask for help. Do you follow any of Charlie Mackesy's work? He's he's all over the internet. He's on Instagram. Look him up. He wrote The Horse, The Mole and The Boy. And there's this beautiful picture where the boy asks the big old horse, what's the bravest thing you've ever done? Ask for help, answers the horse. It's not easy, especially in the emotive area of caring for those whom we love. So back to this lovely couple who did that. They asked for help. And one of the things we worked on was listening and empathising. They're both in the caring profession, so I'd say they're pretty skilled up in this area. But as I say, there are areas we can develop. It seemed that any communication they had with their daughter was met with annoyance. I know some parents out there will relate to this and they're experiencing that. Some of you have got slightly younger children and you're getting glimpses of it and thinking I really don't want that to happen and get worse through the teen years. I think most people know what that feels like. But this was at sort of disaster point and they were worried. It seemed that any communication they had with their daughter was met with irritation to the point where the daughter avoided all the communal areas in the house as much as possible and spent most of her time in her room. So we talked about some different areas where the daughter's voice could be heard, how to respond when she complains, how to respond when she's disrespectful, how to respond when she doesn't want to talk. And I'll give you some more specific examples in a minute. But first, let me read you the WhatsApp she sent just before Christmas after they've been putting their tools in place and felt they had feedback. And she's given me permission to share this, but I'm going to change the child's name. I just wanted to share something with you as I feel it is huge progress and I can't stop grinning. I was sitting watching TV with Sophie earlier and the others were out and she started talking about her friends and their relationships in general. And then she said that one of her friends was having a bit of a difficult time at home and finding her mum really annoying. I sort of half joked and said, so do you. And she said, actually, I don't really find you that annoying anymore. Wow, who would have thought we would be having those kind of conversations a few months ago? I am so grateful to you as I really think those conversations were instrumental in changing the direction our relationship was going in. A whole new trajectory. That's what they had. Listening well changes the trajectory. They were heading for a stalemate and they were worried. Here are a couple more examples. I was chatting with a mum about the tech issue recently. Her son had wanted to download a particular app and she and her husband didn't feel it was right for him, even though all his friends have it. And I admire the resilience of those parents. I love it when parents go with their gut and don't just get swept up with the cultural tide. But the boy didn't love it and he had some strong feelings about it, as kids often do, and he got angry. And when children feel disappointed, they feel they've had their choices limited and their freedoms inhibited, they can get cross, can't they? This mum is so lovely and she really wanted her child to be happy with the outcome and she thought it would help him to understand how they had got to that decision. So she explained to me, we, she and her husband, we sat him down and explained to him that we're here to protect him and that nobody else will. We explain to him that we don't like limiting the things that he loves, but we do it for his sake and that he needs to trust us. Interestingly, this was the third of three similar conversations I'd had with parents over the same issue in a short space of time. Parents can feel that if they give all the reasons why they've made a decision, it will help the child to understand. Well, this particular mum and I have talked a little bit about listening and empathy before. So I asked her, after you'd explained to your son that it was for his safety and his sake, who felt heard and understood, you or your son? I'm just going to interrupt on this cliffhanger and let you know that if you'd like more on how to avoid the pitfalls around listening, you'll enjoy the book, Parenting for Life. It has impacted so many families and has a whole chapter on the little places that we can jump in without realising we're doing it and the ways in which to change our narrative so that our children will be in that minority of kids who can talk to their parents, who will share the hard stuff, the awkward stuff, when they're small, when they're teenagers and beyond. That myth that says that they won't be able to open up to you in those years that they're supposed to be in a tunnel has been debunked. And for you, my listener, the book is available at the special listener's price, delivered to your door. Pop to the link in the show notes. And now, back to hear how that mum responded to my question. Well, she got it immediately. And she saw in that instant that she'd had her feelings heard. She'd had her say, but her child hadn't. Isn't that just such an easy thing to slip into? You just so feel you're doing the right thing. But actually, you didn't listen. We can't always meet all our children's wishes, can we? Particularly not on tech. And when we can't, we usually meet their disappointment head on instead. And we have two choices in that moment. Two messages we can send to them. The first one is, put all that disappointment away. This is what you need to know. And the other is to listen, to hear them even if it sounds unreasonable or entitled, to hear them, even if it's presented as downright unjust. It doesn't mean you have to give in, only that you listen and enable them to have their feelings, no matter how unreasonable they may seem. If they're feeling marginalised, limited, controlled, all of those are their feelings and they may well lead to a secondary emotion of sadness or anger. And sadness and anger don't get waved away with explanations, no matter how good they are. They need to be empathised with. That's when they calm down. That's when that amygdala checks out. Shoulders go back down. Frontal lobe starts engaging. Rational and reason become engaged. Because the place where they feel fear has been heard and understood, not necessarily agreed with but understood and affirmed, validated. Now, of course, you may find if you explain all of your good reasons for the boundary that you've chosen, that your child will quietly go away. Unusual, but it happens. But it doesn't mean the feelings have gone away. They just know they're not allowed to get them out. And over time, they will learn whether to share their feelings with you. So going back to the parent at the beginning, by learning to listen, they changed the trajectory away from don't tell mum or dad they just don't get it, to I can share with mum and dad, they listen. And that will serve them well as the stakes get bigger. And they're never too young to start that leaning in, listening to our kids. And they're never too old to start, even when they're at their most difficult and their most hostile The messages they hear when we're politely sharing our perspective, giving them understanding of why we've made our decision, sound a bit like this. I don't want to hear how you feel. I'm not big enough for your large emotions. My perspective is more important than yours. But the message they hear when we listen is, you're allowed to have that feeling. It's totally valid. So here's a third example. I was chatting with a mum the other day and she was talking about how her children sometimes have quite preposterous points of view and they'll be at the dinner table and say something about a country or a leader or a people group or someone who annoys them or a teacher or the school and then they'll make a sweeping statement about how things ought to be. And she feels this is a great opportunity to iron out some of the child's ill-informed perspectives perhaps bring a nuance on politics or news or on that person that they might not be aware of. And I get that. We can be alarmed by our children's headstrong perspectives sometimes. And chatting around the dinner table is a fabulous time to share thoughts and views on the wider world. But here's the thing. They're finding their voice in your family, so they'll find their voice in the world. It's a healthy family environment if they're pondering racism, poverty, politics, education, relationships and things that are wider than their own circle. They need the practice. They need to practice airing their views. But if they're always corrected, they'll learn to shut down or get louder. Have you ever been around a table with people who don't contribute? Or people who don't leave space? other people's contributions. So this mum was challenging her child's perspectives because they seemed slightly dogmatic and ill-informed and it came up in conversation because she was trying to learn to listen but she kept hitting these slightly bombastic comments from her child. But after we chatted she could see that she wasn't listening well. So how do we lean in and patiently hear our children when we utterly disagree with what they're saying? We ask questions. We thank them for sharing their view. We ask what helped them to form it, where they heard it, where they saw it, why they think that. Does that mean there isn't room to shape and grow them? Not at all. We can share our perspective on it afterwards. There's a world of difference between correcting a child and sharing a different perspective. Listening isn't agreeing, it's listening. Honouring a person's thoughts even if they're at odds with ours. It's a great skill for life. It says we all have a right to our own point of view, as opposed to, you're wrong about that. I'm just going to do a real-time interjection here. I've got a child studying A-level history, and whilst I was doing this, he popped in to ask if I'd look over one of his essays on whether the Vietnamese War was justified. And that set off a good conversation between him and his older brother, who's just unpacking all his clobber from halls, which he's had to abandon due to COVID. So he's unpacking and the other one's on about the Vietnamese war and they're having a really good banter about it. And it was such a good chance to practice what I preach. So that was just a little moment in family life that happened to be particularly pertinent to our conversation today. However, if your children are smaller, stay with me. They might not be airing the pros and cons of war, but they might be talking about an unfair rule at school or a teacher they're not impressed with. As amazing parents, we can usually see these issues from both perspectives. So we might want to help our child by sharing why the school or the teacher might have made that choice. But actually, this is your chance to listen well, to lean in by asking those questions. How did it make you feel? Why do you think your teacher did that? The thing is, we don't always have to have the last word. We will be oozing values in our everyday choices and attitudes that our children will be picking up without even knowing it. We don't have to leave every conversation having said our piece. Sometimes they just need to know that we're interested in their point of view. They have a right to have one. We can listen without feeling like we're implicitly agreeing. That's an interesting perspective. What makes you say that? Thank you for explaining that's how it makes you feel. But, I hear you say, what about when the child takes their anger to that next level? They don't let up, they're being disrespectful, they're spoiling for an argument. Or when you've put a limitation on them that they don't like and their anger has got out of hand. Then... It's a good time to postpone. They have a freedom to a point of view and you have a freedom to move on. It all comes back to that favourite mantra of mine, I manage me, you manage you. And for that, you might need some one-liners up your sleeve. I love you too much to argue is a good one. I'd love to chat about this when we're both feeling calmer. Note, I didn't suggest you say when you're feeling calmer because that is fuel for the fire. Or you could say, I can see this feels important, but I just need some thinking time. That's a little New Year's starter. You know, I'm not always a fan of New Year's resolutions. The gyms, well, those that are open will be full this month and diets will abound. And quite possibly the numbers will have shrunk by February. But what I do think can be helpful over a New Year's resolution is making a manageable tweak. There's a really popular book out at the moment. I think it's a New York Times bestseller book or something, and it's called Atomic Habits. I'll put it in the show notes. And it's all about making tiny little tweaks. And that little listening tweak that you make will develop as you practice. And you'll soon be shooting for a whole new trajectory by making that little change to yourself. I promise. Stand back and watch the magic happen. I'd love to hear your feedback. I'd love you to pop to the reviews at the bottom of the podcast. It's at the end of the list of episodes and leave a review. That helps me and it helps others to find me. And throw me a few stars whilst you're there. If you like the notes to today's show, pop to my blog, The Courageous Mama. That's also listed in the show notes. And if you'd like to chat about parenting, email me at thecourageousmama@icloud.com at iCloud.com. Guess where that is? Also in the show notes. And I'm also on the courageous mama on Instagram, where you'll find all things parenting, and the subject for each week's podcast pops up to prompt you on a Tuesday. And then there's a little extra soundbite on a Friday too, just a nugget. So I'm basically the courageous mama everywhere, and I look forward to hearing from you. Next week, we've got Tony France back on the podcast, digging into the topic of anxiety and our kids, anxiety and ourselves and mental health. You might have heard him on the podcast when George Orton and I went and talked to him about all things to do with drugs and kids. He's amazing. And if you haven't heard that, do pop back to podcast 34. It's really, really good. But in the area of mental health, he's an expert and he's a total legend. So George and I go back to mind him for his insights. So do join us next Tuesday. Have a great week. See you then.